0: get up nation. My name is Ben Biddick. I am the creator and host of the get up nation podcast where I serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance. I'm the co-author of get up the art of perseverance with former major league baseball player and CEO of Lurong living Adam Greenberg. The Get Up Nation podcast is brought to you in partnership with Your 6 coffeecom where Navy veteran Eric Hadley is committed to serving first responders, veterans, and their families through a variety of nonprofit organizations. No stranger to adversity, Eric has fused necessity of coffee with his passion for public service you're already purchasing coffee. Why not empower your coffee with purpose? Why not purchase coffee that not only has your six, but also has the backs of those who don a uniform of service for our communities and great country. Learn more about Eric and his freshly roasted award-winning coffee at gotyoursixcoffee.com. Welcome to this episode of the Get Up Nation podcast. Recently, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with Heather Gurish. Heather is the author of the new book published by New World Library called The Ayurvedic Guide to Fertility A Natural Approach to Getting Pregnant. A board certified Ayurvedic practitioner who bridges the worlds of conventional and alternative medicine to help women and men heal their physical and emotional lives. Heather is profoundly impacting people's lives with her brilliant work. Heather, it's my honor to welcome you to Get Up Nation.
1: Thank you so much, Ben. I'm so happy to be here with you and meet you.
0: So much I learned as we talked before about the all-consuming process of what it is to give life to another. And your book is doing amazing things for couples as they seek to go into this journey, this spiritual journey of giving life to another. I just can't wait to talk more about this with you and to hear more about the impact you're creating. First, will you share where you live and work currently?
1: So I live in Sausalito in California, which is just north of San Francisco Bay Area. And right now I'm working from home like everybody else. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. As we kind of talked about before, I'm the father of two amazing children who I spend time in awe of every day. I'm overwhelmed by, first of all, the gift of being alive and aware of it, but then being able to share it with other beings like me who I can communicate with, who I can share laughter with, who I'm committed to protecting no matter what, and who inspire me. They were created as a result of a union between my partner and I, and seeing what she went through each time, and seeing her excitement, her discomfort, the warrior within her as she went through this process, as the physical pain happened, and and things of that nature. It's absolutely fascinating to me how people are born and how we die. You have dedicated yourself to serving others to do and experience one of the most spectacular actions that people can participate in, that of giving life to another. Will you share a little bit about what led to your commitment to write this amazing book and to help men and women experience this?
1: I'll start by saying that I had a whole different background before I got into Ayurveda, which I know probably a lot of your listeners don't even know, you Mm -hmm. know, or maybe they do. But if they don't, you know, I had a whole life where I was up till age 32. I didn't know what Ayurveda was either. So I would say that I was, you know, I was late having children. So I I didn't actually have my own child till I was about almost 40. I was turning 40 when I had my kid. And so I went my whole adult life without having a child. And I would say that I was interested in healthcare. I had previously actually worked as the product development head for a health insurance company. And that's kind of before I got into studying Ayurvedic medicine. And I think the bridge for that for me was studying yoga. That's where I actually heard about it that's where I heard about Ayurveda because it's a system of medicine that comes from India and is very old and it's very well-known and popular and widely used in India. But here it's a lot less well-known, although it's becoming popular. So I would say that it's sort of the book just came out of me struggling with one, should I become a mother? Two, I've waited so long. Am I going to have problems becoming a mother? And for some reason I have this little voice in my head, For most of my life, that was like, if you make this decision, are you going to be a good mother? I had this little voice that kept popping in and asking me this question at different periods of my life. And I was like, oh, whatever, you know, it's my voice or whoever's voice it was, right? And so this is coming up. And all this sort of led to when I was actually in Ayurveda school, when I was getting my master's degree, I was like, okay, the next person I date is probably going to be the father of my child. Let me do this well. -hmm. Okay, I want to make sure that when I'm on the other end of this that I'm okay. The baby's okay. The daddy's okay. Everything. So I really did this whole 360 degree, I would say sort of design of my life, my health, everything based on what I learned in Ayurveda. And so I'm the thing I love about Ayurveda, it's so old. I would go through all these ancient texts and I would say, well, what do they have to say about fertility and, and women and how to do this? And you'd find little nuggets of wisdom, but there was nothing that sort of laid it out really super clearly. And because of that, I knew that there was a need for this. And I knew that Ayurveda was getting more popular with women. I already knew that yoga was popular with women. And I said, I know that more women are gonna to want to learn this stuff. And I would say, because it's it's a five thousand year old system of medicine. There's so much to learn from it. But I would say the thing that I got from it most was the ability to just see clearly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like with medicine, we spend so much time going, okay, you have this problem, this is the solution, this problem, this is the solution, but there's no processes there are no processes put in place to understand what got you there. And I know that the buzzword that's used all over, let's get at the root cause, let's get at the root cause. It's all over the place. It's being used by the medical insurance companies now, but it's not happening because if you don't put the processes in place that allow people to understand what led to that problem in the first place and what they can do to change it, what's within their power to change it, then you're not going to get anywhere. You're just going to get caught in that little toggle back and forth between problem and solution.
0: You write in your book a little bit of what you described here. You wrote, as a modern woman, I had always felt lucky to have the educational career opportunities that women before me did not have. And at the same time, despite how great I considered my life to be, I always felt disconnected from my fertility. Not all of me was thriving. And then you talk about the process of some of the intellectual and professional pursuits were a different way of, of approaching life and where the process of conception is more about receptivity and surrender and tapping into primal parts of your nature. And it led to you studying under the worldwide Ayurvedic community legend, Dr. Sarita Shrestha.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's amazing.
0: Yeah. Would you go into a little bit about your experience there as you were learning about Ayurveda and what a world that opened up to you after having a different experience earlier in life?
1: Yeah, Totally. Like, you know, I graduated magna cum laude from college. I went and got the good corporate job. I was, you know, making tons of money, driving the BMW, all that stuff. But one New Year's Day, I woke up when I was about 32 and I said, OK, I want to be happy and healthy. And then I stopped and I was actually hung over on my friend's couch with my ex-husband and we had been drinking the night before. We were at least responsible, right? We didn't hop in the car and drive home. We slept over at our friend's house. But I woke up and I said, I want to be happy and healthy. And then I said, oh, no, I said that last year. And I said Mm -hmm. that the year before, but it doesn't feel like it's happening. And I don't feel like I'm doing anything different. And I just had this weird wake up call just in that one moment. Nothing bad happened to me. It was just like, oh, insight came to me, hung over on a couch. And that's when I started studying yoga more. I went to do a yoga teacher training literally a month later later. I taught yoga for many years. I studied yoga and I studied Ayurveda while I had that corporate job. And it's interesting. So after having all those perspectives, women have a lot of unique powers. And right now there's so many women that are putting that energy into their work. Okay. So, and we work totally differently than men. If you look at the way we interact in corporate structures the, the way we operate in the home, we, you know, there are, there's gender fluidity. I'm not saying that men are one way and women are one way, but I do think that there are some inherent gifts, one that each individual has and one that women have and that men have as well. And two, you know, so it's like, I would say corporate environments, because women came to them later, I think that they're really male dominated in the way that they're set up and the world is, you know, just anything that's fixed and structured has sort of more of a male thing. So when you're a woman who goes through generally more change, like every month you're going through so much change, you Mm -hmm. know, it also makes you more flexible. Just those are little examples of how we operate based on different clocks than maybe the structures that are built around us. And I think that's a big challenge for a lot of women. I had a lot of challenges with that. And while I felt like I could make a difference and I was you know, kicking ass and doing a great job and my, you know, my work and all that stuff, I just felt like there's this piece of me that I can't let out in this place, in this world. And I have to figure out how to set up my life in a way where I feel like I can just let it out of me. And it's like, it was this like sweet, receptive, you know, wonderful piece Mm -hmm. that just was like, I don't know where it went. And I think a lot of women feel that way now. If you're on social media, there's all these hashtags, divine feminine, and then there's this hashtag rewilding. And that's both for men and women, I would say. So it's divine feminine, divine masculine. There's so much stuff going on. And some of it's a little bit woo-woo. And I would say my book's on the border of being woo-woo. It's probably a little more physiologically and emotionally focused than woo-woo. But you know, it's a big movement right now. And I was not alone, I would say, I knew this was going to happen for more women. I knew it was already happening in my practice. I could see it. And that's really what led me to write this book. I just knew it was time for women to start reconnecting with the feminine.
0: One of the lines that I liked a lot in the book is, in writing the book, I intend not so much to tell you how to become pregnant, but rather to help you be your healthiest self on both an emotional and physical level before you become pregnant you describe how essential it is for people who are preparing for pregnancy to dismiss their comfort to a certain degree because you want them to shed limiting beliefs to show people that the solution to people's frustrations are within them and not outside or something that can be purchased you advise them that you can't guarantee they'll get pregnant or have a child but that there will be prizes won during this journey a truly spiritual journey will you share why this perspective is important for the readers as they begin to take in your book
1: yeah absolutely you know the problems that I had on the path to conception, which were related to choices I was making in my life and all that stuff, they're different for every woman who has this dream of starting a family. They're different for everyone. Some people it's a health issue and I had some, you know, smaller issues that I was dealing with, but some people it's a really big health issue that can, you know, interrupt their fertility. And some people it's emotional, some people it's in their challenges and how they establish relationships because of how they were raised it's a complicated thing, but all of it is about your health. And all of it is about how you're allowing creative energy to come through you. We can't see creative energy. You can't like, you know, you see that what it does, but you can't see it. Right. So even when you talk about the idea of a soul, you know, entering a body, entering a group of cells, and we can all debate when that happens. I personally believe it happens like, Maybe even before the cells come together, there's a soul, you know, so, because it's all part of the big soul. This is the most odd, mysterious thing that any of us, birth and death, they're the most mysterious things we will go through, but we have to create bodies that are essentially welcome homes for, not just for the child, but also for us because we got to take care of the child. And I really think parents should be, before they have, or even when you're a parent, just be completely selfish about what it takes to take care of your health and what you need in terms of what kind of work you do, what kind of food you need to eat, what how much alone time you need, whatever the, the thing is, we all have to find that. Because when you have a healthy What we call in Ayurveda, the the woman's womb, is it's called the field, and the word for it in Sanskrit, which is the language that Ayurveda is written in originally, the word is called shetra, which means the place where one will make a pilgrimage to.
0: Wow. Right? That's
1: epic. (laughs) Yeah. Don't you want to have like a beautiful land, a wonderful place? for a person to come in and it just, it brings up so many big things for me about like how we take care of the planet, everything. Right. It's all related. And, you know, so people really have to be selfish about what do I need? Because I'm the body, especially women. Yeah, right. I'm the body. This is going to come through right. and everything around me affects me and my choices matter. Everything matters. So just be totally selfish about it. I think.
0: That was interesting, the, the medical system here in the West where doctor's appointments aren't scheduled until after the pregnancy happens. And then you talked about how in other cultures, not in the Western area, that, that's the nesting process where it's a, the beginning of preparation for, for both people who are welcoming the child. And that process was that how much sense does that make? If we truly value life, isn't that a more sensible way to approach welcoming the life into the world and how much more sense of the sacred could happen that way. How much more would the child get so much communication delivered to them even before they're even born? It's like a, you're unfolding, you know, the, the path before them and and it's so selfless and yet so beautiful. And it's selfless in a way where you have to take care of yourself in order to be selfless. It's that sacred balance of self-care and then giving to another. It's, that is that's a fantastic point that you that you describe in your book about you know truly making your body ready to give another life a chance to grow and live and that kind of brings me to the point of the ayurveda as you've talked about it means the science of life a sister science for the practice of yoga and you've talked a little bit about these concepts for people who want to start a family how does this practice provide them with so much more for for them to create life and to form a family.
1: Yeah, first I'll tell you a little bit about ayurveda and then maybe I can tell you a little bit about the processes of preconception. Mm-hmm. So ayurveda like you said it means the science of life. It's old. It's been around for 5000 years. It's often referred to as the mother of all healing because like mm-hmm. acupuncture came from it. They, you know, the the ayurveda went to China And they brought this thing called marmotherapy and that turned into acupuncture. Obviously the Chinese like really rocked it out and made it way more refined. (laughs) But basically Ayurveda, it's this idea that we have sort of constitutional types that we're born with. And so when the egg and the sperm came together, there was this like perfect environment that was there for that to happen for you, mm-hmm. for you and for me, for each of us as individuals. And we're all different, right? We could tell when we look at each other, we hear each other, we know that there's this inherent thing about us that's just different, right? We could say it's a genetic code. You could say whatever you want about it. But the way that they explain it in Ayurveda is that you have this kind of constitution, and then you have these imbalance patterns that will be dominant throughout your life. And you might have one or more of them. And it all depends on the season. It fluctuates based on where you, what climate you live in. It fluctuates based on how old you are. It fluctuates on your behaviors, the types of foods you're eating. All this stuff will change these levels of what we call doshas, which are essentially like bodily humors of some sort. So like mucus is a bodily humor, blood is a bodily humor. If you are burping a lot, then that's a, a bodily humor of sorts. It's the air element. So we look at that and, and, And we know that when those are in equilibrium, because it's not like you don't need them at all. You just don't want them in high amounts or too low amounts. You want them just right for your body to function optimally. So we look at that and that's really about flow. So it's really about making sure your body's flowing. Like, oh God, you have to yawn. Don't hold that. in. you have to sneeze. Don't hold that. in. you have to cry. Don't hold that in. Make sure everything is flowing. That's, I would say, one of the big things with Ayurveda. And so you learn essentially how to keep everything balanced and everything in flow through your diet, through how you exercise, how the times you sleep and all these things. You know, it's a, a really 360 degree view. And I think it's really where medicine wants to be, but medicine is so stuck in problem solving. I think it's where everybody wants to be from a health perspective, but most people are too stuck in solving the problems. Now on the conception piece we prepare at least 3 months ahead of time for conception at least 3 months you know you go through the physical stuff and it's not that different than people who go to church who go to their priest before they get married and they get coached on that so there's a there's a fair amount of physical stuff that's going on this of cleansing that people go through but there's also this really deep internal connection which people do get from religion and it's kind of lost in our culture because the religions have gone down so much you know so there's this real lack of ways to reflect internally for a lot of people right and I think Ayurveda is not a religion But it gives you a way to reflect on your body, to reflect on your emotions. And you have maybe a guide or practitioner that would do that with you. You can also read lots of books and learn a lot yourself about Ayurveda, I think. So it could go either way. Yeah, three months. But most people are preparing like 12 months. I I prepared for two years. Oh, wow. Wow. Before I had my child. Yeah. But I was older. I had time. I was like, you know. I was like, I'm going to do it this way. I'm not going to do it at all. That was, that was how I was. And that's a weird perspective. Most people are not like that. Most people are, you know, I want to have the baby now. Most people aren't even thinking about it. They're just having sex and having the baby.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we talk a lot about being present in our lives and how much more with the knowledge and the preparation that you had though for two years, I can't imagine the depth of insight or how you inhabited that experience so much more than maybe something that we do a little more, you know, hurry up and, and maybe a little less thoughtfully. Uh, that, had, that has got to be a profound, you know, when you're in two years of preparation and then to get the news that, you know, you've conceived, that's got to just be mind-blowing. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's mind blowing and it was really super, it was a super useful talent. I mean, I have to think that there's something missing with parents right now. If our, if we've allowed our society to become the way that it is with the kids shooting each other, with the autism rates as high as they are, there's something that we're all missing that we need to start paying attention to a little bit more. So something is missing. And what is that? And I think it's the ability to see clearly. I think it's intuition. I think it's being able to read other people's emotions. I think it's being able to read our own internal states a lot. I think it's a lack of connection with the natural world. I think it's all these things. And so after I had my kid, and it wasn't easy for me to have a kid either. I mean, I was I was pretty much turning 40, so which is harder. And the sleep deprivation piece and stuff like that is hard. So I can't say that it like made it totally bulletproof sure, sure. for me. But it helps so much. Your baby can't, doesn't have language yet. So when you have a baby, you're sitting there freaking out going, am I going to kill the baby? Am I going to, I don't know. You know, when you first have a baby and you're like, but if you learn how a body operates, which is, I think, if you learn how your own body operates, you'll be able to learn a little bit more about how other bodies operate. Mm -hmm. And that really helped me after, because I knew that as long as he's going to the bathroom every day and he's eating and like, he's not getting weird rashes, everything's good. You know, I knew I, I learned the signs of imbalance to look for so that if I saw something early, I could say, if I saw something, I could catch it early and be like, something's weird. Let me pay attention to that. Rather than like, you know, three months later, this weird thing's been going on. And then I start to ask the question and run to the doctor.
0: Yeah, that's excellent. In the forward of the book, is it Dr. Doolyard? Am I saying that correctly? Yeah. Writes about how stressful our lives are in the modern world. Writes about the importance of preparation before the child is conceived and mentioned this parasympathetic dominance in the nervous system that delivers that feeling of safety and security. And that if we're trying to conceive during highly stressful living, his quote, which gives a great image, was, you know, it's as, as impossible as a doe getting pregnant while being chased by a mountain lion. And will you share more about that sacred and beautiful process of slowing down the areas of our life to prepare for another life to join us?
1: I would love to. And you know, when he's he was one, you know, he was actually one of my teachers years ago. And I asked him to write that forward because he has six kids with the same woman. So I was like, he knows something about fertility. And <laughs> I just really amazing. So when I got that, I was I, I just he got it so much. I really think that as a culture. We've set up our lives to be so complicated, so stressful in the striving of something that we don't even know what we're chasing anymore. And it's not just women, it's men too, but for a woman to be able to get into the state that she needs to be and to be receptive. I mean, there's so many women right now that are 20 years old, 30 years old that are getting their eggs frozen and working for an employer, you know, who will pay for it. Because they're like, well, I don't think my life is you know, set up for this, and I don't know when I'm going to meet the right person. And in order for a woman to get into that state of receptivity and trust, Mm. deep trust of what's around her, of her partner, of herself, of the family, whether it's her family of origin or the family she's created and the community that she lives in, the air that she breathes, the planet. That is so necessary for a woman to be able to surrender, to not feel like she's in a place of toxicity, in whatever form that comes in, because toxicity can be, you know, too much anger, toxicity can be too much slowness. it can come in so many different forms. And that's why this is really all about flow. And one of the things I talk about in my book, I kind of make a joke about it, is you have to kind of figure out what kind of plant you are, because each plant needs a different environment to grow in. You know, we don't, we don't plant the pea in the same place we plant the cactus, right? <laughs> right. We, and if we're all different, then we, we just have to learn that about ourselves and we're in charge of sort of directing where we go.
0: Yeah. The comparison of plants growing in the garden, it's excellent. You, truly, truly that, you know, whether or not we're trying to get pregnant or not as people, this book has value that goes even much farther than even that. It's great to the overall system of wellness that you're talking about here. And one thing I wanted to bring up was what are some ways that men and women can celebrate during the process of becoming pregnant, being pregnant, giving birth, raising the child? What are the ways that both partners can engage in celebration beyond just buying each other gifts? What are some ways that we can truly celebrate being alive?
1: Yeah. I mean, I learned so much from yoga because i learned a lot of rituals and things like that and you know gratitude is an amazing practice and again some of these things are things that you might have gotten from your religion growing up but whether you do that <laughs> anymore but you could do it for yourself you could say let's let's sit down and be grateful for our food let's let's you know i have this idea right now my, my partner's been taking care for my kid while I've been doing all these podcasts and I'm that maybe like his favorite meal just to be really super grateful that he's given me the space so that I can talk to amazing people like you and share this message you know so that practice of gratitude I think is so important
0: yeah that's great such a beautiful way to share your life with somebody, to give them that simple gift of time or understanding what they like or what enlivens them and then making that happen. That's a birth in itself, I would say. These little bursts of joy, these little bursts of recollecting and the depth of that relationship where you understand each other with such depth and such precision because you've spent so much time, you've been through tough things together, you've been through fun times together, but it makes you highly skilled at being able to deliver things that matter to another human being. And then to, to throw children into that, it just takes it, <laughs> takes it too ah, you know, it's even not, that. yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's, it's not easy being a parent. And I think that's why it's really important to prepare for it. You know, I think you don't have to, if you don't prepare, you can always like learn ways to do, you know, be, be a better parent later, or take care of yourself better later. Right. It's awesome. I'm still doing it. Even though I've written this book, it's a <laughs> continuous journey. Right. Yeah.
0: yeah that's, like, that's a good thing. A practice, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: Hopefully just every little thing you do to sort of reconnect with yourself, to get yourself healthy, to learn, grow, improve, that all those things are just going to make everybody around you bloom and blossom even more as you just continue to improve and just have your life be awesome. Yeah.
0: It's truly resilience creating for everybody involved to have that mindset that, well, the present moment will always be in the present moment. And so We don't need to be hard on ourselves that we didn't spend a certain amount of time preparing but we know that right now we can even even prepare it's a gift it's there's no shame in it it's it's an embracing of okay make the most of this now and you don't have to be you know overly harsh on yourself and you know would you do that to your child no so why do you do it to yourself you know it's like that practice of like of respecting yourself as much as you would another
1: I actually feel like the the sort of unexpected things that happen to us, that sometimes those are the gifts. You know, it's really when we get into this like self, the, you know, the whirling thoughts and stuff that life doesn't flow. I actually, if you get pregnant without conceiving, like that's amazing too, you know? So it it's just, you know, the, the universe does give you gifts, right? And, and I just think that this book was necessary because so many women are thinking about getting pregnant. They're thinking about it. Uh-huh. They're not just letting it happen. Nice. Once the thoughts start, then we got to do something about it,
0: right? Yeah, right, right. It was a one line here where you talked about, you know, during your preparation process, and then you, and then you saw the universe conspiring to make you a mother. Like how sensational does that become? Where it isn't this this thing that you've thought about, that you've you know thought of it, but you're actually in the present moment seeing it happen and experiencing that on all the different levels. Like that is, that is different. It's more engaging. It's it's not something that comes and goes. It's like wow, I am truly. This is bigger. than this is big. <laughs> I
1: guess. Yeah, it's like it's it's like being seeing wonder.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's great. We need a lot more of that in our world today. Heather, I, I don't know how you're doing on time here, but I usually end the show with six quick questions to help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Do you have time for six quick questions?
1: I do, and I'm scared. Ooh, okay, go ahead. <laughs> right.
0: Who are you thankful for today?
1: Dr. Sarita Shrestha, who was my Ayurvedic practitioner who lived in Kathmandu.
0: And now that we've heard who you're thankful for today, what are you thankful for today?
1: I'm thankful that I live in an area that has trees that are healthy.
0: And how do you fuel the fire within you?
1: I fast a lot.
0: And what is one thing adversity taught you to value?
1: I can blast through obstacles when I'm persistent.
0: And what are you doing today you may have never thought you could? Cooking. (laughs) 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 And what will you do tomorrow that you may have never thought you could?
1: Writing my second book.
0: Excellent. Heather, how can people learn more about you and your amazing work?
1: Well, first of all, my website is heathergrish.com and my last name is spelled G-R-Z-Y-C-H. I know it's weird, heathergrish.com. And you can find me on Instagram at heathergrish. My book is called The Ayurvedic Guide to Fertility and it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble and Bookshop.